Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go podcast, where today we're going to take a flight across the Atlantic Ocean. According to the Census Bureau, more than 9 million Americans claim Polish ancestry, and worldwide, it's estimated that Poles number 20 million people outside of the country, which is more than half of Poland's entire population. People of Polish descent live across the entire globe, sometimes forming large and influential segments of populations of foreign cities like Chicago or Toronto. Today, we're starting a series that's going to take you through a number of cities in the country of Poland. There is a reason why immigration to other countries by the Polish people happened because of the many wars throughout its centuries and the different borders changing quite consistently and constantly throughout their history. So because of this, people had to leave. I don't think it was because they wanted to. I think the Polish people are a pretty solid group of people. They're culturally bound together, and they've been through quite a lot through their history. Yeah. So let's talk about why we chose to go to Poland. So as we've mentioned numerous times on the podcast, my heritage is Polish, both my mom and dad born in Poland, and kind of to your point, Julie, both of them also displaced by the war. So my dad would end up entering the United States, I think probably close to when he was 30. I know like initially he would have made his way as a young teenager to England where there was an opportunity with the Royal Air Force through which he lied about his age to be able to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then I know that he was interested in coming to the United States, but wasn't able to get approval. So the place that he was able to go to was Canada, where he lived for a number of years. He had trouble getting approval to come to the United States, even though it was the United States that signed the treaty that took away his home city and gave it to Russia, which is a whole nother story. Uh, Don't get me started. But Canada said, come on over. So he stayed there for a number of years till close to being 30 or so. Where the family had settled. Yeah. His whole family ended up also, you know, displaced and, you know, they would end up making their home in Ontario. Long story short, then he marries my mom in Poland and she uh, comes out to the United States with him probably, I don't know, a month or so before I was born. So I was born into a Polish household that spent time with a Polish community that happened to also make its way into the Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. So that's that brief background, but why we went. So we were talking with my mom 
again, who is Polish, she is the only one of her family who ever left Poland. So her sister's there, her her brothers had stayed there, her mom had been there, nephews also in Poland. But we were chatting at one point, and she had mentioned that there's so much of her country, even though she's been there numerous times since leaving, that she has never seen. Well, mostly she went back to see family. So it was always a small part of the country that she went back to. And the family wasn't able to or had no interest in traveling anywhere else. So she would just go see them. Yeah. But as a teenager, I had gone with my parents to Poland. We did get a chance to to spend some time in Warsaw. And I know my mom had also previously spent time in Krakow. But there's a whole large part of the country that she wasn't familiar with. So she said, I'd like to see more of the country. To which we said... Well, let's all go. Yeah. And at the time, I had been doing the genealogy, which I've mentioned several times through these podcasts, and there was not a possibility, and I think at the time we weren't sure how we could pinpoint exactly where your parents were born. Oh, no, we know exactly where they were born. We knew, we knew your dad's mm-hmm. uh, birthplace was now Ukraine and your mom's was now Latvia. Yes. But it's harder to pinpoint you know, the exact place. Oh, in terms of yeah. like home and street right, and all that, right. but, but the cities we know. But yeah, so both of their birthplaces in when they were born was Poland. Today, no longer Poland. So I still have a desire at some point to travel to those areas where they were born. Today is not a good time to travel to the Ukraine. <laughs> and and yes. it, it hasn't been for a while. Mm-hmm. So maybe at some point in the future, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. But as we mentioned, we're going to take you into the country of Poland. The cities that we're going to take you through over the coming series of podcasts are going to include Szczecin, Gdansk, Torun, Poznan, Wrocław, and Krakow. So those are all the cities that we went to. We ended up selected places that we could travel via public transportation because we wouldn't have a car. And that was one of the nice things about this trip, as well as I think every other time we've gone to Europe, we've been able to see everything that we've wanted to see via public transportation. So this was a combination of trains, buses, and a lot of walking. And that's how we got around. We ended up crafting an itinerary from cobbling together research we did on the internet, compliments again of TripAdvisor, and we purchased a tour book about Poland by DK Eyewitness Travel. I will have a link to that in the show notes. That was helpful for us to kind of pinpoint things that we wanted to see. We would end up spending 23 days total. We flew from Los Angeles into Berlin, and then we would end up flying home from Krakow. And uh, I guess before we get into our first city, one thing I'll, I'll mention is Eastern Europe in general offers typically bargains for traveling to Europe. So your popular places are France and the United Kingdom and Italy. You start looking at flights and hotels in most of Eastern Europe, be it Poland, be it Hungary, some of the other neighboring countries, and you get amazing deals. So I didn't tell you this, but last night I ended up on Expedia killing some time. I was pricing flights because you and I still have to decide what we want to do post-Christmas this year. And we've talked about a few things, but I thought, hey, just for giggles, what's the cost of a flight to Warsaw after Christmas? And I was coming up with round trip rates under $700 mm-hmm. from Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which uh, 
is something to think about at least. So we'll see what we're going to do. But let's take you to the first city that we visited when we went to Poland. So as was mentioned, we flew out of LAX and uh, landed in Berlin. And actually, it was, what, hour and a half drive to Cheching, which is where your aunt and her family and some of the other family live. Yes, Szczecin. Szczecin. There you go. I will always get the Polish pronunciations wrong. They're tough. Because, yeah, that is a tough language. We decided to spend two full days with family and much to the chagrin of Czocha, Basha. My aunt. His aunt. She would have loved for us to stay more and there were tears when we left. It was, yeah. I, I just fell in love with her. She's just a wonderful, wonderful yeah. lady. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you go to a place and you visit family, oftentimes you feel like you're kind of stuck with the family and you're not doing the tourist thing. So it was wonderful to see her again, but we had a lot of the country to see. Right. So, And we also, when we were there, we did get a chance to see some of her town. We did. We arrived in Berlin. We decided to get to Szczecin by what they call the Flixbus ride. So we waited a bit at the airport, waiting for the bus to arrive. It was it was a bit. Yeah, and we ended up getting tickets for this bus before we left right. the States. So right. we had a timed ticket. Right, and so we just kind of hung out and waited for the bus to get there. Got on the bus. We did have to cross the border, and there was a border check. Do you remember and that, what that I, felt oh, like? absolutely. It, it was a little intimidating. It was very intimidating because yeah. you had the military people yeah. with their arms, and they were looking extraordinarily serious. Very serious. Yeah. Very serious. It felt very different from anything I had ever experienced, and just like passing into Canada, yeah. or it just was very different. Once we arrived at the bus terminal in Stretching, we got a taxi, which was, I, I remember that thinking that was really reasonable for some reason. Everything yeah. in Poland was reasonable. Yeah. Everything. So, yeah. Yes. So uh, got there and we taxied over to your aunt's house mm-hmm. and uh, had our first uh, hellos and greetings with the family, which was really nice. So a few things about this city. It is in northwestern Poland on the western bank of the Oder River, which is a huge river that runs through this city. Off the banks of the river, there are so many businesses and things that run using the, the life of the river to transport into. I mean, it was just, this river was amazingly large. Mm-hmm. Jechin is about 40 miles from the Baltic Sea, and it's about a 90-minute drive from Berlin, where we came from. It has a varied national history. Szczecin was annexed to Poland during the 10th century by Mieszko I, and it remained the capital of the Dukedom of Western Pomerania, which is a name that you don't hear very often. Then in 1648, it was seized by my people, the Swedes. Yeah, there's a history of the Swedes and the Poles going at it. <laughs> yep, yep. And then it passed on to Prussia in 1720, and it became known as the Paris of the North. This is really interesting mm-hmm. to me. As the heart of the city is a star-shaped square with lots of diverging avenues coming out of it. Another reason for this comparison to Paris 
is that there's a gentleman called Baron G.E. Hausman who created a town planning project for the French capital. He also designed sketching. So he used what he knew and uh, made the cities uh, similar, it seems. But it has more history than that. During the Napoleonic Wars, it passed on to the French. And the city remained under German control until the Russian army conquered it and then passed it back to the Polish administration in July of 1945. The city, now on the newly established Polish western border, has survived the war, World War II, Mm -hmm. with little damage. Yeah. That city had been passed from Mm -hmm. this country to that country to that country and started many, many centuries ago in Poland, got bounced around, and today is finally back in Polish hands. And because of that history, there is a very diverse cultural life to it. And it has a a cultural center to it that has several theaters. It has a philharmonic orchestra. It has a national museum. And it's, as I said, because of the Oder River that passes right through, it is a shipbuilding center. And it has that close proximity to the Baltic Sea which makes it possible to ferry out to Sweden and to Denmark from nearby that area. So that's pretty cool. I wish we would have done that. That would have been cool. That might be a next time thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it has many rivers. It has lakes. It has woods. The parks make up about half of the city area. It has a population of just about over 400,000 people. And this was my very first taste of Poland. Yeah, so this would be my third trip to the country. Every other time also coming into Szczecin, because again, that's where my mom's family lives. So the first order of business in Szczecin actually was, as you mentioned, you know, saying hello to family. But then you and I would trot out because since we would be spending a little over three weeks In Poland, there were a number of what I would call like essentials. We decided not to try to bring over on the plane because of TSA regulations. So we ventured out in the streets to find a local pharmacy where we would get things like toothpaste and shampoo and those types of things. And then we got ourselves settled and we were able to balance some time with family as well as some time exploring the city. So we have about eight destinations within the city of Szczecin that we're going to share with you today. They're places that we visited. And, you know, when I think about people traveling to Poland, this city I don't think comes up as often on people's itineraries as other towns. But like you had mentioned earlier, Julie, given its proximity to Berlin, Berlin is um, one of the biggest airports you can fly into if you want to start your travels on the western side of the country. And if you come in on the western side, Szczecin is a great place to start exploring. Yeah, I agree. So let's uh, dive into what we saw and what we did. All right, we're going to share about eight destinations with you. There are many more other things that you can do there, but we're going to start with the eight that we're familiar with and that we, we visited. So the first place we're going to talk about, Julie's actually going to take you into it, but I'm going to tee it up because it's a little difficult to say. It's the Valley Hrobrego. We'll have that spelled for you in the show notes. And Julie, as you continue to talk about Valley Hrobrego, we can just refer to it as the promenade. How's that? That's great for okay. me. And it is actually named after a Polish king. 
Boleslaus I, Krobri, and he is an 11th century king. The promenade is located on the western branch of the Oder River, and it is a really nice place to walk along because you're walking along the river, and it has several historic buildings and numerous cafes and pubs, which we love to visit. It is a favorite among the locals in the area and tourists alike, and is also the home of the Maritime Museum called the Museum Morski, which houses artifacts from the city's history, along with some big African collections and some maritime artifacts. Additionally, there are important buildings here that include the National Museum of Szczecin, and contemporary theater in the city itself and provincial office. So it's a great place if you like to just stroll and walk around kind of a river walk area for a few hours in the afternoon when it's, it's nice and cool. And it's kind of a relaxing type of uh, walk. Yep. A great time to visit is during the Tall Ships event that happens there every August. Also in the summertime is the Sail Chetching Days of the Sea event. That is a huge sailing festival that draws tens of thousands of visitors every year. And if you are a fan of sailing, this might be something that you're interested in. Place number two we're going to talk about is Jasna Buonia and Park Kasprovica. So the Jasna Buonia Square and the adjacent park border each other in Szczecin's most famous green area. This is the largest park in the city, consuming nearly 50 hectares, and it's home to the Rusalka Lake and the large amphitheater. There's an important monument on the grounds, which we got our photos taken in front of. We tried to get our photos in front of it. You have to have a wide-angle lens because it's huge. It's the Monument of Poles Action. And so this monument has three eagles. It's ridiculously tall. The eagles have outstretched wings. And the eagles symbolize three generations of Szczecin residents who rebuilt the city after World War II. The eagles represent the pre-war generation, the generation of Szczecin pioneers, and the generation of those who expanded and continue to expand the city. The sculpture stands at just over 22 meters high. And again, Bring your wide-angle lens because you'll need that to fit that into your camera. The park is also the grounds that the Polish Pope John Paul II visited, and it's where he held mass for 700,000 stretching citizens in 1987. I'm pretty sure my mom was there during the time of that mass, and I believe attended the mass as well. I know my aunt did for sure. Following the papal visit, a large monument of the Pope was erected in the middle of the square, and we also stopped there to take our photos with the papal statue during our time. Another great place to visit, if you're interested in history and architecture, is the Cathedral Basilica of St. James the Apostle. This basilica was constructed as the largest church in the West Pomeranian region, and it began in the 12th century. That, that's the one thing when you go to these, especially in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. some of these churches are so incredibly old. And yes, a lot had to be reconstructed. And many of them, they reconstructed staying true to the original churches and mm-hmm. buildings themselves. Yeah. So, 
So it's really, really amazing to step into some of these places. Yeah, close to a thousand years old. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. We saw many altars, we saw paintings, we saw historic features inside of the church. There was a number of reliefs and artifacts that go way back to the 14th through the 16th centuries. There are 19 chapels throughout the cathedral, including the chapel of Our Lady of Czestochowa, a baptism chapel, and the chapel of the Blessed Sacrament with a beautiful altar from the end of the 14th century. It was absolutely fascinating. It was beautiful. I, I enjoyed that cathedral very much. Like many buildings in Poland, the church suffered a lot of destruction through the years and the damage from the wars that, you know, they've impacted these buildings and these churches, of course. And the latest reconstruction effort took place in the 1970s. The cathedral's tower was rebuilt in 2008 and restored to its original appearance. And this is kind of what I'm saying. They really take great effort in restoring it back to its original. And it's just incredible to see. There is a viewing platform actually from this tower and it is available to tourists. And this tower represents the second tallest building in Szczecin and the second tallest church in all of Poland. So it's quite impressive. Mm -hmm. And there is a pipe organ inside. Caught my eye when we I went in. I know it yeah. did. There's two things that caught my eye about the organ. One, it, it was massive. And second was its positioning. So this organ weighs about 30 tons. And architecturally, it's suspended above the nave without any support. So there's a counterweight for the construction that's located at the place of the church that's called the choir. So it almost just looks like it's suspended in the air. It's quite amazing to see. This organ has over 4,700 pipes, an absolutely amazing instrument. And while we're talking about music, the day that we were there, mm -hmm. we had noticed a poster mm -hmm. in the front of the church that mentioned that evening there was going to be a concert featuring Foray's Requiem, and we decided we were going to come back in the evening. Mind you, this was our first day in Poland. Very hard to keep our eyes open at that point. Yeah, because while we had spent a few weeks trying to adjust our sleep in advance, which we always try to do before traveling to Europe, something about before we left, and I don't know what it is, what happened, but the night before we left, I got no sleep at all. So by the time we got to Poland... I was probably on over 24 hours of no sleep. We made it through almost mm -hmm. the entire foray concert. We Actually, we made it through the entire concert. We made it but through, but my eyes were very, very heavy. Yeah, I was, I was getting very nervous toward the end that I might just fall over because <laughs> I was that tired. So as soon as the music stopped, we skedaddled yeah. out of there. But it was an absolutely beautiful performance. And that's one of the things that's... It seems to be common when we travel in Europe that churches host concerts that are just done spectacularly. Mm -hmm. There's also something that we noticed that we had kind of had a familiarity with when we started getting interested in the uh, Camino de Santiago. And there was a shell that was outside of this church. Kind of like the painting that of the shell. Seashell, yeah. yeah that, and it, I think it was blue, right? Blue and yellow. Yeah, blue yeah. and yellow. And... 
we recognize that as part of the Camino. So in this area, there's what they call the Pomeranian Camino Trail. And this is the Pomeranian Way of St. James, and it's part of the whole network of pilgrimage that covers the entirety of Europe and leads to the tomb of the Apostle in Santiago de Compostela. It runs through Lithuania, northern Poland, and joins trails in Germany, and it's been revitalized too. There's, I think there's people are trying to get it more recognized, and in 2013, they tried to remark this trail. The only thing is, is that when you go on the trail, and even if you go the French route or Portuguese route, there's a lot of lodging and food along the way. It's designed for that. But in this Pomeranian way of St. James, that doesn't seem to be as easy to get to. So it's a little bit harder to find your lodging. It's a little bit harder to find food along the way. That isn't also, you know, when you're on these trails, when you're on these Caminos, you try to do things as less expensive as possible mm-hmm. because you're on these trails for a very long time. Yep. So we did, or you had noticed the last time we went on one of our um, mission walks, a gentleman that had this patch that was from the Pomeranian Way. Caught my eye. Of St. James, yep. yeah. Yeah, so we spoke to him and I think that that was the gentleman that was like 70 years old. Yeah. He had the patches for the Camino de Santiago in Spain. He had walked that. He had a patch for the California Mission Trail. He's actually one of the the very few people, I think there's maybe only like 50 or 60, who have ever walked the entirety of the California Camino, which is an 800-mile trail. Mm -hmm. And he has walked this Pomeranian Camino. Mm -hmm. So he has... uh, Very interesting to listen to his experience. Yeah. He's got to be one of the few people on the planet, now I'm thinking about it, who has walked all three of those routes. Yeah. And he also had, I think there was some more pilgrimage walks like in the Middle East that he's done too. So he was Mr. Uh, pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Very inspiring. 70 years old when we saw him and still walking. Moving on, the fourth thing that you can do in Szczecin is just walk the city streets. Walk this uh, companion city of Paris. So when we were planning our trip, I had come across something that was the uh, Szczecin walking tour, which is a self-guided tour. And there's, I mean, dozens of stops along the way. I think this is a seven kilometer loop trail that connects 42 sites. It points out monuments you can visit, places that are historically noteworthy that you can see. They recommend if you do the self-guided walking tour, you'll spend about six hours and there's two different routes. There's a red dot tour route and then there's what they call the gold dot tour route. If you're interested in doing the walk, you can get a pocket guidebook at a tourist info center in the city. I'll also have a link in the show notes to information about the the self-guided walk. It's something that we probably would have spent more time on. Mm -hmm. We did end up spending some time walking through the city, but we had a little bit of a, I don't know, misadventure or got kind of rerouted. So one of the things I wanted to do when we visited this this city, I thought it would be interesting to visit the church where my parents got married. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got the name of the church from my aunt. And Um, she, and I remember she said in Polish, but you translated. Yeah. That it's very close. Very close. It's very close. Yeah. It's, just right, it's just right over there. You'll get to it real yeah. quick. This was supposed to be the church of St. Stanislav Kostki. I put the name of the church in my GPS, 
And next thing I know, you and I, Julie, were walking through the streets of Szczecin and it told us it was like going to be like an hour or something away. We're walking, walking, walking. One of the neat things was we were able to see a good amount of the city. Mm-hmm. So I always like to, when we're in Europe, ex- explore the streets, check out things on foot. And about an hour later, we arrive at what the GPS on my phone said, you are here. And I'm looking at this building, a very modern building. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, my parents got married in, what, 1962. I'm looking at this building and thinking, there's no way that this is the church. And I think you and I had probably seen some photos of the church. We knew yeah. as we were walking, something was something was amiss. amiss. We, we were like, this is just not right. This is not right. Yeah. So we get there. I get on my phone. I call my aunt's house and try to explain my, my Polish isn't all that great speaking but you know, conveyed to her what was going on, and she confirmed that we were not at the right location. But Long, yes, she was familiar oh, with the church yeah. because your uncle had actually done some lighting work in there. Yeah, so we did end up at the church that had family history, but not the family history I was looking <laughs> for. It did turn out that the correct church was what was it like four blocks away it from my so aunt's close. house? It was yes. It wasn't an hour so away; close. it was like three minutes away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we finally did make our way to that church, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. Yeah. So and, was... and it wasn't open, but we were actually able to peek in. Mm-hmm. I think we got into the vestibule area. Right. And there was and gates was there able to peek, peek in through. and yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. Number five, Julie, is a big one. Number five was one of the most fascinating things I think I've ever done in my life. It was because I was experiencing something that was so uniquely Polish and there was an immense beauty to it, mm. that, and I just kind of absorbed all that in. But uh, we went to the Szczecin Central Cemetery. That cemetery was absolutely massive. It was huge, and it went on and on and on. It has over 300,000 graves on about 167 hectares, It is the largest in all of Poland and the third largest in all of Europe. So it is quite a sight to see. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's so impressive because the grounds were immaculate. Everything was kept up. There was these beautiful trees, these big trees. There was forest areas around there. It was just fantastically planned out. And the graves themselves were beautifully maintained. They had these huge marble headstones. And the families, in this cultural Polish way, they maintain their families' grave sites with such care mm-hmm. that they clean up everything, pick up everything. There's always flowers there. They have candles there. And one of the times that I would love, love, love to go back is maybe during All Saints Day or All Souls Day, because on that day, the whole community comes together and they all come in. And at night, there's just thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of candles Mm -hmm. all over the cemetery. And it was just such an incredible sight to see and the fact that Poland is, a, is mainly a Catholic country, and we do have faith in an afterlife, and the way that the Polish people care and take care of 
their family even after they're gone was incredible to me. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, so when we were at the cemetery, we were there with my aunt, my cousin's wife. My cousin has passed away, so we spent time at my grandmother's grave, my uncle's grave, my cousin's grave. And when we were there, they were doing that that upkeep that you mentioned. Bringing those candles, and they're very specific type of candles that they cut. Yeah, they and, and, and while you see in cemeteries here in the States, there, there may be plots here and there where, where families you know maintain and et cetera, the scale at mm-hmm. the cemetery in Szczecin, I mean, you're not talking about dozens of graves that look like this. You're talking about thousands of graves, and you're you're not only like walking... And walking and walking and, and seeing the, this this kind of care. This place is so big, you have to drive your car and you're driving and drive. Mm-hmm. It's like driving through a city. It's mm-hmm. that huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just something incredible to see. Yeah. And here in the States, you will go by these old cemeteries that have just been abandoned. And there are some cemeteries when they do abandon they do, with great care and respect, remove the bodies and they can place them somewhere else. Yeah. But mainly, they just get abandoned and the grass grows over everything. And in Poland, I was told that if there is a grave site that does not get maintained after a certain period of time, they remove, very respectfully, they mm-hmm. remove the remains of that person. And they put them somewhere else so it allows another family member or somebody else to go into that plot. Yeah. It's brilliant, really, when I think about it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, w- it was super impressive. Moving on to number six on our list. We have the Pomeranian Ducal Castle and Tower of Seven Mantles. So if you come to Szczecin over the Oder River, you'll see silhouettes of a Renaissance castle with green towers that was once the seat of Pomeranian dukes between the 12th and 17th centuries. It suffered serious destruction during World War II, though has since been restored. Today, the castle is a cultural center and home to special exhibitions, concerts, and plays. There's five wings on the grounds, two courtyards, and there's a rooftop that has a panoramic terrace where you can see splendid views of the city in one of the wing's basements it's home to a vault with the sarcophaguses of six princes and there's an astronomical clock from the 17th century that's a special attraction in the castle the tower of seven mantles is located to the east of the castle that dates back to the 13th century and is the only surviving element of ancient medieval gates to the town. So on the recent trip that we took there, we were only able to tour the grounds of the castle on the outside because we were there like too early to get inside. I had been to the castle several times on prior visits to Poland. So there's restaurants inside where I've eaten at before. I think we had lunch one day at the terrace that we mentioned. My one memory of this castle is there's a room inside that at least when I visited there many, many years ago, that had an organ, and I would have been a teenager. And I remember my dad talking to whoever the caretaker was in the room about the organ, asking if I could have a go at the organ, because I was, at that time, I was a very accomplished pianist. And the person said no. (laughs) So I got 
denied the opportunity to sit on the organ that sits in this castle, I have since had opportunities to sit on some uh, very yes. wonderful organs. But I guess you know that was uh, that was not my time. But it is one of the places that you can visit when you go to Poland. I would put that on your list. Another place is Solidarity Square, and it is a memorial to the victims of December 1970. This square received the European Prize for Urban Public Space in 2016. The concrete foundation is unlevel on purpose as it was built to resemble tumultuous sea waves. A prominent feature here is the Angel of Freedom Monument, which commemorates victims of the December 1970 events in the city. The 11-meter-tall monument depicts an angel clutching a crown of thorns, this being a symbol of Poland's solidarity movement. The workers' uprising was triggered by a dramatic price increase for everyday items. Just before Christmas 1970, prices for consumer goods increased nearly 38%. Poland approached a near civil war. It was at this square that 16 people were shot and killed by Polish army and police during the uprising in Szczecin. The youngest were two 16-year-old students. The names of the victims are engraved on four plaques at the base of the sculpture. The cornerstone of the monument was laid on December 17, 2003, and the financing of the monument included gifts from the Polish-American community. Yeah, so when this event happened, it would have been about one and a half years, roughly, after the first time I ever visited Poland. So we visited the city, I think I was close to five years old. And a year and a half after we visited, this event happened. And I remember my aunt recounting to my mom that my cousins, who would have been at the time, I don't know what, seven and nine years old, you know, would be going to school and making their way on the streets and there was bullets flying. Mm-hmm. And it was just that kind of crazy environment. And you had to, you know, pray you didn't get hit by something. They didn't. But it was just... But some did. Some did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 16 people lost their lives. We spent a little bit of time in front of the monument the last morning we were in in Mm -hmm. the city. So more of a somber place, but a historic place. And if you want to get a sense of some additional history, that's some actually pretty recent history that happened there. The last place that we're going to touch on, and it's very, very close to the monument that you just mentioned, Julie, is the Royal Gate. So this is perhaps the most impressive Baroque fortress in all of West Pomerania. The fortification was intended to defend Szczecin from the north and was built back in 1725. Above the Arch of the Passage, there is a cartouche surrounded by the chain of the Order of the Black Eagle, and it's topped with a royal crown. Additional decor on the gate includes depictions of Mars and Hercules, a Prussian eagle, and a golden royal crown. Back in 1942, due to threats of bombing, the gate tops were taken apart and hidden in another location, and they were protected until they were returned back to their original place. That didn't happen until 1957, but we also stopped at the gate, took some photos there. It's Mm -hmm. another, I think that's also one of the places that if you do that self-guided walking tour, it'll take you by Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So a number of interesting things to see in this city. 
again, we only spend on on this recent visit two days there. If you spend more time there, you could soak up much more. I have on a prior trip there spent about 30 days in, in stretching. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've got, got my uh, my taste of the city for sure. So the places that we lodged at was quite impressive, I thought, I that first night. It was nice. Yeah, it was it was really nice. We stayed at the Luxus Apartamente Mariaca. And today the rates are around $80 per night, which is pretty good. We also had Art's aunt, who was 87 at the time, drive us to our flat. 87 years old, driving a stick shift. Oh, my goodness. I With a bad leg. <laughs> I just grabbed something. You were holding on to dear life. Yes, she was, I was. She was zipping through those streets. Yes, she was. She finally got us there. She got a little lost, and then she kept swinging around. She finally got us there. And in the end, I was like, well, good for her. 87, still driving. Yep. I mean, doing really good. The apartment itself was two stories. It had a downstairs that had this shower that I never had seen before. It was it looked very sci-fi-ish, tubish, kind of strange, which I guess I've seen other uh, YouTubes and things like that. That that's pretty common in Europe to yeah. have those type of showers. So it was a very nice apartment. It had a little kitchenette area, all those amenities there, the downstairs with the TV and the couch, and it was a little bit modern. And then you had to go up these stairs that were spiraled around up to the top loft, and that was a sleeping area. Uh-huh. So it was very nice. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Nice, clean, affordable, and I will try to have a link to that lodging in the show notes if somebody's interested in that. We're going to quickly turn our attention to food. So one of the things we noticed as we were making around the country is different cities tended to specialize in different types of food. The most renowned dish in Szczecin is what is called the Pastecik Szczecinski, which is a deep-fried yeast dough, usually stuffed with meat or a vegetarian filling. And you can still eat at the first bar that ever served this food. It's called the Bar Pastecik. It was founded in 1969, and you're going to find it on Wojska Polskiego Avenue in the center of the city. Pasteciks are usually served with a clear borscht, and it's a super affordable dish. The version that they serve in Szczecin, so this is different than what I'm used to my mom making. So my mom from time to time will make what she calls pasteciks. And her version is usually like a crepe mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. in some kind of breaded mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outer coating and inside. I think for us, she makes it with a, like a mushroom filling. Yeah, she's used um, cabbage. And cabbage. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and we'll eat it with borscht. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the stretching variety when we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that, that was one of the things that was on our list for the day. We ended up having this uh, walk to yeah. to the wrong church but it's something that uh you might try when you get out there and when we did visit my aunt's house I mean, we had the traditional what i call the traditional hospitality so we, there was so much food mm, yes homemade food so everything from what is called rosu kind of like a chicken soup to pierogies with sauerkraut with fruit she gave us a risotto fish and tomato sauce Poppy seed cakes, teas, desserts, everything homemade, everything just wonderful. We even had Polish sausage, which even though you and I had at the time of our visit been vegetarians for, geez, well over 20 years, Mm -hmm. we kind of said, hey, when in Rome, (laughs) 
Yeah, yes, and I honestly did not want to offend your your aunt yes. at all. She was she put out so much for us, and it was her way of welcoming us. And I didn't want to offend her. Yeah, it was all wonderful. Now, one of the things that she also offered us, and th- this was new to me at the time, is a libation called an alefka. She will take, and people in Poland do this. They'll take fruits and they'll soak them. Initially in what is called spiritus, which is a very, very, almost like a grain alcohol. So we're talking about, what, I don't know, like 180 proof or something mm-hmm. crazy yeah, like crazy, that, right? Something crazy. Um, and then it'll get diluted after a few weeks with some vodka. She gave us a version that she made with red currants. That was just fantastic. And we had seen her in her kitchen. She had one that was undergoing... The process of being made from some kind of berry and then since this trip we have made a few nalefkas of our own the first one i ever made was from apricots we have one that i made a year ago that we has still haven't sipped yet from mint because we have so much mint in our backyard so we need to sip that one and in the works right now we had our neighbor come over couple of months ago when the plum tree next door went crazy and gave mm-hmm. us all these plums mm-hmm. and we said what are we going to do with all these plums and the answer was we're going to make nalefka <laughs> so i've got that sitting in the spirit and hopefully it'll be ready for christmas and we'll give a bottle to our neighbors who uh gifted us with the plums mm-hmm. one other thing i'll mention about food in poland and i think this is something that we ran into almost everywhere it seemed like the most pronounced in stretching, and that's breakfast. So if you're used to an American breakfast with eggs and hash browns and pancakes and French toast, you're not going to find nope. anything nope. that resembles anything like that in the city. You know, the best you're going to do is you'll, you'll find a place with coffee or you might find a place with bakery Pastries items. And, yeah. yeah. And when we were walking around one morning looking for breakfast... We found places with just the coffee or places with the baked goods. We finally found, and it wasn't really a Polish place, but there no. was a Columbus coffee. So I think it's like an American chain that made its way in Poland. And yeah. we got our lattes there. But that kind of, I guess what I call traditional American breakfast is not a thing there. Mm-hmm. So that's a run through of things that we did. As usual, we have a few items of if we had more time. So in Szczecin, there is an underground city trail. It is the biggest civilian shelter in Poland. Built just prior to World War II, it's found under the main railroad station in Szczecin Głowny, and it is five floors deep, and it was built to accommodate 5,000 people. One tour will take you through the tunnels underneath the city streets. You can choose between a guided tour or a self-guided experience with a booklet in your chosen language. The underground area includes bunkers from World War II and provides an impression of civilian life during the war. There is a second tour available that emphasizes the history of the Cold War era. They recommend bringing a sweater as the temperature underground is only 12 degrees centigrade. Two other places that we didn't do because we just ran out of time. One is the Wolin National Park. It's one of Poland's smaller national parks. This is found about an hour from the city, but you'll find hiking trails, lakes, and this park also borders the sea, so that's an option. 
And in the city is a museum called the Be Happy Museum. Yes, it's a museum of happiness that promotes a mission of cultivating happiness, sharing good memories, and making the world a sweet place. And if happiness is not your thing, Szczecin offers at least seven other museums in town, including the Szczecin History Museum in the Old Town Hall, the Old Art Gallery of the National Museum, the Museum of Contemporary Art, and the Maritime Science Center. So there is much to do there. And it's um, probably an underrated city, but it offers quite a bit. So one last memory I'm going to share. So this is from a trip that I took to Szczecin when I was a teenager. There was an old cinema there that was renowned. It had, you know, nice history to it. And there was a showing there of the Mel Brooks movie, High Anxiety. So my cousin took us, took me and my brother and my other cousin, who's Polish, to the theater to see High Anxiety. And I just remember it was, it was so weird because everybody in the theater pretty much, I think besides my brother and I, they were Polish. And so they were experiencing the movie, reading the Polish subtitles which weren't timed exactly to the oh. dialogue. <laughs> so we were listening to the, to the dialogue in English and something funny would happen and my brother and I would be busting up laughing and then like 15 seconds later, <laughs> the rest of the theater would be busting up laughing. So it was just this awkward thing of uh, depending on the, the timing of the subtitles versus actually hearing the original language in the right time. It was one of those interesting moments. <laughs> All right, this wraps up this part of our Polish journey. We have many more cities to explore with you. So we hope you have heard some things that will help you plan your future visit to Poland. If you're not subscribing to us yet, it only takes a moment. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source for podcasts. You could catch up on our future episodes, and you can also experience... Many of the other places we visited that you'll find in the podcast archives. And if you leave us a review, we'll really, really appreciate that. We would love it if you took 10 seconds out of your day and did that. And you can follow our adventures most weeks on our YouTube channel, also called The Places Where We Go. Some of our recent YouTubes include Disneyland, California Adventure, and a recent journey we took on a segment of the California Camino. And there's always something new just about every single week on the YouTube channel. So thanks for joining us at the places where we go. Do widzenia. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.